hello. From our video to your pod-eo, uh, welcome to Stasis Pod, the kid video podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm the owner of an inflatable pool. <laughs> I'm David. <laughs> and yes, as per our traditional uh, between seasons episode, we have once more reached into the big grab bag of weird old cartoons. And this time, uh, thanks to Jen, we've pulled out a real winner. Yes, we are going to be watching an episode of the 1984 uh, Saturday morning cartoon kid video, uh, which ties into the little mini season of Robots in Disguise in which it's, uh, by which it has Robbie Wrist in it. Uh, good old cousin Oliver. That's right. And it is also going to tie into the upcoming season of Robo- of uh, Rescue Bots. How so? It's uh, because- also got Robbie Wrist in it. Uh, it does not. But the voice directors on this show were Ginny McSwain, who is also the voice director for uh, Rescue Bots. Oh. And uh, Michael Bell, longtime voice actor, of course. You know, he's Duke, he's Prowl. And he's going yes. to turn up in the next season of Rescue Bots as well. Oh, huh. cool. I'm surprised he didn't show up. If he's still working, I'm kind of surprised. Or if he was still working at that point, I'm surprised that he didn't show up in uh, Robots in Disguise yet, given that everybody shows up in Robots in Disguise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, he must be semi-retired. Maybe he's semi-retired. Michael Bell has got to be pretty old. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he's up there. That guy, that guy gets started on Get Smart. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Kid Video uh, was, I guess the best way I like to describe it is it's like the monkeys meets the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. <laughs> uh, it is what yeah. I believe David would call an isekai. <laughs> yeah, um. Do you have to die for it to be an isekai or can you just go through a portal? Well, the portal fantasy came first. It's yes. Modern isekai in anime is normally you die, get reborn, usually in a fully grown body, which is always weird. Or, more often than not lately, it's, oh, I'm trapped in a video game instead. Or a video game-like fantasy world that obeys video game rules, not normal fantasy rules, which is annoying as piss. <laughs> So this, but yeah, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court is an isekai. Yeah, this is a portal fantasy, and the fantasy world that they are pulled into is basically like if an entire world was uh, the G1 episode Carnage in C minor. Uh, somewhat better Badly animated. animated. <laughs> Just entirely like weird music-based magic kind of mm. stuff. Uh, so it ran, it's, it's the most 80s thing you can possibly imagine. Uh, so it is about, uh, four main characters are a high school garage band. Uh, you have, uh, the titular kid video. Uh, I am assuming that video is probably a thing that he makes everyone call him. Uh, and then also insists on calling the entire band by his name. Uh, 
He is Brian Scott, uh, who we have previously encountered in one of our Halloween episodes on uh, the Spider Woman cartoon. Oh, that's right. He plays her sort of blandly generic love interest. Yes. Oh. No, it was wait, Billy. Oh, oh, wait, right. He was the kid. What? Right. Yes. Oh, the blandly generic after. child. Right. Her, her questionable nephew. Yes. <laughs> nephew, question mark? Yes. Uh, he did not really have a whole lot of career after this, except for additional crew and a lot of things. Hmm. Uh, that that will be a running theme here. Uh, so I think a lot of them are I sort of like session musicians. I get the feeling that he was just looking at like, you know, him being in the Spider-Woman cartoon. I get the feeling that he was someone whose mom really wanted him to be a kid actor. And it just did not work out because he's not actually that good at acting. But he tried. Mm. <laughs> well, that's most child actors, to be honest. He strikes me as a very, like, L.A. kind of style. So he's got, like, a vest and and stuff. Uh, and then mm. we have Carla, uh, Gabriella Nelson. At this point in the season, so about halfway through the season, they actually start coloring her like a Latina. Cause yeah, because she's very, very, very pale in, in the animated portions. She's just colored the same as, as all the white people. So she does occasionally throw some Spanish into her speaking. Uh, so she is supposed to be Latina. Uh, she's actually from L.A., she is actually from L.A., whereas, like I said, uh, Kid just gives off very strong L.A. vibes. Yeah, but she throws in Spanish. And, like, it's such a trope that, oh, this character speaks another language, and every once in a while they pepper in their own language in old cartoons. But hers just seemed to come out of, like, complete left field. Like, <laughs> she doesn't enjoy reading that part of the script. And I, I see that. I believe the actress is actually Latina. Yes. Uh, so, and I mean, she also has some phenomenal eighties hair. Yes, yeah, when well, we get to the video at the her. end of it, where it's actually her and not just her cartoon model, you do see that yes, she looks like a person of Hispanic origin. So halfway, about halfway through the first season, they didn't even wait for the second season. About halfway through the first season, they actually start coloring her darker than everybody else so that she actually looks like her actual actress uh so that is carla she is it's funny because she's always framed as like kids love interest in songs and stuff but she does not actually seem to be interested in him in (laughs) any actual dialogue or anything yeah I kind of assumed that she, Kid Video, and Ash were kind of a loose thruple. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. And sorry, poor Wiz. <laughs> sorry, Wiz. Well, I mean, clearly, as you see in this episode, you know, yeah. you guys are always off having fun. <laughs> <laughs> in air quotes, having fun. Uh, so, yes, the third is Ash. Uh, he is Steve Alterman. Uh, who was additional crew on the first Bay Transformers movie, uh, additional hmm. crew on Iron Man. Uh, he huh. is additional voice in, like, a whole bunch of stuff over the last decade. Uh, so he's still in Hollywood doing background Hollywood stuff. 
Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I feel like he's intended or possibly the actor is Jewish. And I Mm -hmm. say this in the context that it was produced by notable Jewish person, Ham Saban. So it got marketed a lot in Israel. Uh, So I don't think that's, you know, it's not something you would be like, oh, he looks really Jewish. But if you're trying to look for diversity in the characters, you can be like, yeah, I see that one. He's got the like brown curly hair. That's mostly it. Also, he's from New York City. The actor is. Well, that could just mean he's Italian. It could also mean that he's Italian. (laughs) Except I feel like, judging by Carla, if he was Italian, he would sound like Frank Stallone. Yes, he he would probably be far more stereotypical. (laughs) Uh, I'll grant you that. So, and then our third member is Wiz, uh, played by Robbie Rist. Uh, He is the chubby kid with glasses who is like the big I don't want to say he's a killjoy but he's a little bit like not as he's the one who wants to go home the most yes he's the cranky Raphael of the group and it, he's, it's not that he's really a fat kid yeah he's just not quite as skinny as everybody else but the way he's animated self is drawn he's very bottom heavy yeah, it's the model like he's, sort like of Like he's odd. Teletubby shaped. They did. It's, it's odd. They did update all the models in the second season, not like massively, but a little bit. Uh, so it was, I guess, an, an ongoing thing. Uh, but yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He was the voice of Michelangelo in the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, he got himself a job as a regular character in Naruto, and that's probably paying for, like, several houses at this point. I don't know, probably, <laughs> probably. not. I assume that yeah. stuff doesn't actually pay that well. Out, out of the entire cast, he's made it the biggest. I mean, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Which is yes. pretty good, considering his character's kind of at the he, shit list in this episode. Well, and also, he's the most hated character on two TV shows of the 70s. <laughs> well, yes. yes. As not, not only Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch, but also Dr. Z on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Weird. Uh, Paul, also, he looked like a, he spent most of the 70s looking like a tiny Paul Williams. The, yeah, oh, but no. that, did they ever act together? My God, that would have been fun. Well, I mean, it would be hard because he's, at the time, he was probably about the same height as Paul Williams. Well, yeah, well, they, they, could, they could be like long lost brothers or something. <laughs> Other than just father and son. But like I do uh, know I have a little brother, and and he is also like a, a session musician. He's been in a bunch of bands. He, he he's done the music for all the Sharknado movies. Oh, also of the four kids, I mean, I and, don't like and we'll move on to some good for him. We we will move on to the other cast members, but I feel like of the four kids, he is absolutely the one who is played by someone who actually knows how to act. Yes. Because Everyone else has just super awkward line readings. Yeah. It's just, he's definitely, and it's it's kind of sad because he's, you know, the least pretty one, but he's the one who actually is good at acting. <laughs> uh, the rest of the cast uh, is all actual, like, established voice acting people. Uh, we have their fairy friend who they make immediately upon arriving in the flip side, uh, Kathy Cavadini, 
uh, well, Glitter is the character name. Uh, actress is Kathy Cavadini, and she is best known for playing Blossom on Powerpuff Girls. That's right. Oh. And uh, she's she's also a fairy in like eighties aerobics gear. Yes, yeah, she absolutely looks like my like workout Barbie doll. <laughs> she she got, looks like every fairy from anime in the eighties. She's got like leg warmers, and she is an extremely like jazzercise fairy. Yeah, that, which is pretty great. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's Tomino's fault, but there were a bunch of anime in the 80s that had a tiny fairy who always looked like she was wearing 70s era clothes. Despite the aesthetic. Like, in Aura Battler Dunbine, which is an isekai, where a guy is transported to an alternate world and then eventually comes back and shit gets weird. But, like, they have mecha that are giant bugs. It's a fantasy world that uh. just has mecha bugs. <laughs> but they got a freaking little fairy in a jazzercise outfit. <laughs> when I want to see an isekai where somebody just gets transported to, like, 1974. <laughs> Probably. You know, I mean, 1974. Like, he's just treating, like, the, the guy's just treating it like a fantasy world, but it's just, like, everybody's wearing, like, horrible uh, paisley suits and... Uh, <sighs> You know, everybody's very into the Starshine vocal band. I mean, it's probably... Well, no, I don't know if it's happened in the past, but now it's like all video game fantasy stuff. But the, the, there was other stuff... Well, with the, the mecha and things, and... Um, oh, uh, getting transported to, like, ancient China, I think, was popular for a yeah. while. But that was also back when it was mostly young girls who were the isekai protagonists. Or whatever it was called back there. Portal Fantasy, I guess. Yeah. I don't think they... I mean, there was already a name for it. Why did they have to make up a new name for it? I mean, I guess when you think about it, isn't uh, John Carter of Mars uh, the first Isekai? Probably not the first. Yeah, probably not. But yes, that that also fit into the category. Is it, though? Because he's not in a different... He's literally on a different planet. But generally, they're... Yeah, but it's sort of a fantasy, wacky version of a different planet. I guess. I sort of felt like you have to, it has to be like, I don't know, like dimensional travel. But I guess if we're going with the basis of a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, then I guess anything, as long as it's sufficiently separated from your normal life, is sufficient. So, yes, glitter is a little like... Tinkerbell in jazzercise clothes fairy. Uh, when she sneezes, she becomes super strong. Oh, I was wondering what the deal with that was. Which I forgot until it happens in this episode. It's like, oh, right, that was a thing, because it just comes out of nowhere with no explanation. Yes, when she sneezes, she becomes super strong for reasons. Uh, they have been brought, well, of course, uh, the band meets the fairy when they arrive, uh, but they have been kidnapped by the evil Master Blaster, uh, who, I will be honest, is kind of what I thought Dr. Claw probably looked like on the other <laughs> side of that chair, which is probably not very exciting. Just like kind of a fat, bald guy? Yeah, kind of a fat, bald guy. I think it's because I was watching the same two the, two shows at the same time. And, of course, the answer to the uh, question, who runs Bartertown? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that does kind of feel like they're picking up stuff and reusing it. Although, uh, um, what? Actually. Uh-oh. 
Are they, uh... What, this did they is from, what, like, 84 time? or so? 84. 84. Okay, Mad Max Beyond Thunder, then one doesn't come out until 85. <gasps> so it was the other way around. Or, you know... I th- well, it, it was Master Steve. Blaster is the name of a Stevie Wonder song. Oh, okay. And from 1980. So I wonder if he was named after the, the Stevie Wonder song and not the little guy on the shoulders of a big guy who runs when part When did the of video game come out? There was a video game? Yes. Oh. Probably <laughs> much later than these. Uh, I'm not so sure. Oh, 88. Yeah. 88, okay. I mean, much later in the much sense later. of, like, years, but... Yes. Yes, I'm guessing probably he's named after the Stevie Wonder song then. Hmm. Uh, he is voiced by Peter Renaday, uh, who is just, like I said, a voice actor who's been in a bunch of stuff, usually is like one character at some point. Oh, what was that? There was something in here, and now I'm, I'm attempting well, to was, scan uh, through IMDb with a small oh, kitten oh. trying to jump onto the keyboard. Amity, please. Please, Amity. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was a Splinter on Ninja Turtles. He was Grapple on Transformers. Yes! Yay! And he's also um, frequently Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Now, (laughs) I noticed that, that he was like Abraham Lincoln and a couple different unrelated things, like the brave and the bold. And And the thing is, he sounds like what you expect Abraham Lincoln to sound like instead of what Abraham Lincoln actually sounded like. Yes. Because I think Lincoln was bad to have like sort of like a high, thin, reedy voice. Ah, creepy. But of course, everyone is you know whenever you see him in something, it's always four score and seven years ago. No, uh, he's also the voice of like the robot Abe Lincoln in uh, the Hall of Presidents at Disneyland. Oh, oh, that's cool. And Mandrake the Magician on Defenders of the Earth, a show yes. that we will probably do at some point on this. Oh, we should. We need to just yeah, do a true. whole thing on the opening credits. It's so good. <laughs> but uh, he basically is... He leads the way that, like, I think of anime villains in the, like... I guess the the first one that comes to mind is, robot, like, uh, Car Robots Megatron. Or Galvatron, or which, the one, the kind who, like, stays home all the time, and only ever sends his minions out, and never does anything on his own. Uh, So he has a hovering, like, a sky fortress thing, and because everything in the 80s also had to have some 1950s nostalgia, it's a very, like, chromey jukebox aesthetic. Yes, it's a very. And I guess he's sort of like a satirical version of like a like an evil music producer, like a sort of Svengali esque figure. Yes, and I kind of get the feeling that, like, okay, so this was the first production of uh, Saban's own production company, and I feel like he and Shuki Levy did enough music stuff. That I feel like they probably formed some of, like, I feel like this is probably a character based on their own personal experiences trying to get involved with the music industry. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it feels kind of personal once you look at how much, like, music, I mean, they did a whole album for this cartoon. Uh, so yeah, I definitely feel like he's, he's, uh, 
them taking things kind of personally. Uh, so his three minions who do everything for him are a, a trio of anthropomorphic cats called the copycats. Uh. And oh, look kind of like the Cadillac cats from Heathcliff and the Cadillac cats. Uh, I was thinking the neutrinos were Ninja Turtles if they were cats. Yes. Yeah, definitely that kind of thing. We'll just post-date this. I feel like their furry pantslessness is highlighted by the fashionable tops and jackets that they wear. (laughs) Well, she wears like a body stocking, I think. Yeah. So I was... uh, The boys don't have pants. Watching it, and it just struck me at some point the way Cool Kitty has like... A, t- a skinny tie and a members-only jacket and literally nothing else but sunglasses. <laughs> like, it's different when it's just like a top like a porky pig top, but when it's that ornamented... Yeah. yeah. Not that their outfits actually look good, like... No, but, but they're, they're the classic trio of, in quotation marks, hot lady... And two dumb minions. Not that she's very bright to begin with herself. No, they're all very dumb. Also, Which, I also mean, she's she's got a real like cartoon elf voice. Yeah, no, she's got a real grating voice. She's got a real <laughs> Susan Silo voice. Which but, uh, like like th- this trope of the the comedy trail with one lady go- goes forward in in cartoons and anime into your Team Rockets. But it has an origin. Well, actually, the origin might be beyond it. But but the main origin in cartoons in anime is well, actually, it's from Time Boken, but nobody really remembers Time Boken. But the sequel series Yatterman from Japan in 1977 with Doranjo and her two goons, Bo Yaki and something. I don't remember the names, but uh, <laughs> a, a a short squat guy, a taller guy with a prominent nose. Who's dressed in green? Wait a minute, is this Mario and Luigi? And <laughs> yeah, that's just Luigi. Quotation marks: beautiful woman for weird seventies bell bottom style, who has a really annoying voice. Like uh, th- this trio in various forms with different names was in the the, the whole Time Boken Gatter Man. There, there was a series of, like least half a dozen shows where it was the same voice actors for those three in different shows as different characters and different heroes and oh my god her voice is so annoying <laughs> like I've tried to watch the show because it's like it's neat old 70s like era stuff I, I think oh the oh Amano the, the guy that does Final Fantasy designs yeah Yoshitaka Amano he did some design work on that like he did on Gotcha Man but her voice is so grating. <laughs> it's horrible. But yes, this trio here, is, is a descendant Yes, here of we that. have Fat Cat, uh, who is Marshall Efron, uh, who is, again, sort of a, a person with an actual voice acting career, uh, not a super hmm. extensive one. He was Hunger in Transformers oh. in G1. Uh, so yeah, get the filling out that season three cast. He does the whole like cartoon overweight eating a lot thing because 
that's what happens yeah. when you're an overweight cartoon character. He's uh, the shorter dumb one. You have Cool Kitty, who is Robert Towers. He's like the tall, skinny, kind of a stoner vibe. Uh, he, again... The Luigi. Yes, the <laughs> Luigi. Uh, he was apparently Walter Peck in the real Ghostbusters. Uh, but yeah, he was in just a, a variety of things here and there. Uh, and then She Lion, uh, is Susan is, ooh, Silo. Yeah, that's, that's a choice. Uh, yeah, Susan Silo, who we have encountered previously in Inhumanoids. Uh, she was Sandra Shore. Uh, but yeah, she's doing this kind of voice the whole time. <laughs> Master Blaster. Like an even higher pitched, like Janine from Ghostbusters yeah. kind of, kind of voice. Uh, so yeah, they are the copycats. Uh, occasionally in the series, uh, the band that Master Blaster has kidnapped will be piped through to them, so they will be performing and it will be like straight up some Lionel Richie song. Okay. So yes, uh, Master Blaster kidnaps musicians from the, I guess, real world. Uh, I feel like it's unfair to call one world realer than the other. <laughs> like from- well, Robert, this, this, uh, this, this world is not just, uh, strange and unreal. It is literally a cartoon. Yes, it is a cartoon. Yeah. And that's what they. Called the flip side, which is. Yes. So yes, Master a good name, Blaster. But it's also a really dated name. Kidnaps bands into, he pulls them into the flip side, uh, where he steals their music and like I said, has the copycats perform it. Uh, he was trying to kidnap Kid Video, the band, not just the individual performer, uh, but they were released in the opening credits. Cause it's one of those shows from the 80s where the opening credits just tells you what the premise of the, the series is. Yes. Yeah, which seems to involve a haunted mirror, and I didn't realize that this is also the plot of Interstellar 5555. It kind <laughs> of is, except in that case, it just seems like, I mean, I don't know, I would say, I was going to say that it seems like maybe they don't yeah. have native music in the flip side, but no, they absolutely have a lot of native music. So much like yes. Interstellar 5555, I don't know why they're going through all the trouble of like stealing musicians from another world and making them perform for you instead of just getting people from your own world. Yeah, but at least in Interstellar 5555, it's Earthlings kidnapping aliens. Well, yes. So that it's is, delightfully weird. That is Earthlings kidnapping so, aliens. Uh, so this was so the first, uh, the first series done by Saban Productions, uh, Saban Entertainment. Uh, so I like to refer to it as Haim Saban learned some important lessons about music licensing. Uh, because the reason that it is not available anywhere except for whatever one person could Likes. piece together to put on YouTube uh, is because of, yeah, the music rights. Uh, it was also a co-production with good old, our good old friends Deke up in Canada, Ooh. I believe. Isn't Deke Canadian? Uh, no, I don't think Deke is Canadian. Oh, I'm probably oh. confusing them with oh. Nelvana. Yeah, Nelvana. Yeah, Nelvana. work with Nelvana. Yes. Although they're well, uh, anyway. One, and one of the producers on this was uh, Jean Chalopin. 
mm-hmm. who is French, and uh, he's the guy who's involved with a lot of Deke stuff. Oh, okay. Like, I think Deke maybe are they French? I mean, they're not now, but uh, yes, Deke was originally formed in France. In France, oh. it stands for Diffusion Information Communications. <laughs> as oui. the, it was as the production division of Radio Television Luxembourg. What? Oh, this just gets weirder. But then they formed a U.S. branch in 1982, and that's where most of the Deke that we know came from. You know, your your Inspector Gadget and the like. Oh, it's the show that was almost looping the seventh or something. Yes. So yeah, this episode. And this this did one other note, this did run uh, concurrent though on a different channel from a previous episode that we watched Turbo Teen. Also Mighty Orbots. Also Transformers. Yeah, but that wasn't on Saturday morning. This is specific yeah. to Saturday morning. Mighty Orbots and Turbo Teen were both from the same year that Kid Video started. So, so yes. we're just sort of in the in the early stages of the big '80s toy cartoons. You know, yes. Masters of the Universe is running, Joe is running, Transformers is just starting up, and then this is sort of it's sort of along the same lines of Turbo Teen as we haven't quite figured out what children like yet. <laughs> I will be honest, though, in both of those cases, especially with this series, they were absolutely correct in my case. Yeah. So I assume, well, Rob, you probably didn't see this at all growing up. Um, not at all. Way too young for this. When it, was this ever played ever again other than the original airings? In the early I 90s, think it was. W, in the early 90s, WGN showed it uh, with the music really? videos cut out. I'm not sure off the top of my head if they replaced the uh, the pop music that played in other segments, but it definitely had the music videos cut out. So a butchered mm. version of it played on WGN in the early 90s, but then it was basically memory hold because they couldn't release it on... I mean, they released a few episodes on VHS in the 80s, but they couldn't release it anywhere else because they didn't have any of the rights to it. Uh, so they showed it in Israel. I don't know that it got shown in a lot of other places, uh, but they did. They released an album of the original music, uh, which is actually pretty good because you know what? Haim Saban and Shuki Levy were actually very good music writers. <laughs> yes. And apparently they actually, the this band actually toured in Israel? Yes. They actually oh. toured in um, Israel. I mean, Robbie Rist is still around. Somebody absolutely has to interview this guy about the kid video tour of Israel. (laughs) (laughs) I would do that. I would contact him about that. Well, yeah, music rights are just insane, and it's a a wonder the show got made in the first place. 
It was apparently, it only ran for two seasons, and the reason that I read that was given for its cancellation is because it was too expensive to produce. Uh, and I'm sure music, that yeah. I'm sure that has yeah, nothing with, to do with no the animation costs. Oh my yeah. god! Well, the, the animation in the opening is pretty good. The show itself. Oh yeah, it's the old bait and switch. Is, yes. This this might be the worst cell animation of anything we've ever watched for the show. <laughs> um, I mean the Hanna Barbera stuff was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, Spider Woman Spider was, was pretty, pretty bad. bad. But this is definitely mm. yeah. It's. You know where Ooh. all the the money was going, and it was. Oh my god, Amity! Why are you doing this? Uh-oh. <laughs> like the the char- the character designs aren't awful, but oh, the animation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the arts. Uh, I've also read that a lot of drugs were involved in the art. Yeah. So. <laughs> that would explain a, the backgrounds, but then again, background artists like to have fun. Yes. Uh, some of it has more of a, like, psychedelic sensibility than you really think of with the 80s, and I think that was probably just the artists being more interested in, like, that LSD trip they took than that trip they took to New York City, you know? Uh, yeah, but th- this is a show that is definitely never, ever, ever, ever getting a home media release in any form. You would have to chop so much out of it. Like, like... It took quite a while for Zeta Gundam to come over because the opening theme is basically a ripoff of a Neil Sedaka song with new lyrics. When this show was airing, I loved it so much. Like, to this day, I think, you know, like movies like, say, Shaun of the Dead that make really great use of pop music. Not like pop pop music, popular music. To this day, yeah. like, I feel like the tingles that I get with a really good mix of, of audio, of a pop song and the visuals all goes back to the show. Also, possibly my fondness for vehicles like the Subaru Brant, uh, which Wiz is driving in the opening credits, uh, which are like a car with a truck back. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the... It's like a Japanese version of the El Camino. Yes. This this is like this show was like one of my formative influences as a child. <laughs> so, oh, have have you seen Baby Driver? I have not, but I need to. Oh, it's good. I, strong recommend. <laughs> and you're going to really really hate the villain. <laughs> I love hating villains. Well, he's very hateable. So, life. so yes, the, this show only lasted for two seasons because the music licensing was too expensive to keep going. Yeah. Like I said, it was, it was Haim Saban's first production from his own company, and I really felt like he learned some important lessons. And, and like I said, I feel like the fact that this was what he wanted to do first, definitely felt like they had been trying to do some actual music industry stuff and it didn't work out and he was staking it out on on his characters here on his villains here so anyway the episode yeah so so we've got we've got to start and in fact we we can't stop till we get enough <laughs> yes we because we do indeed open with Michael Jackson's uh early 80s hit don't stop till you get enough. <laughs> Don't stop till you get enough. Yes. Oh, my and mistake. Uh, late 70s, 79. 
I feel like, and this is not the only place in the episode where this comes up, uh, so they're breakdancing in the Kidmobile. Oh, the Kid... Yes, do this, and then I'll have my digression about the Kidmobile. So Uh I feel like this show would have been greatly improved if the animators had at any point ever seen a person actually dance. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 It just, it's it's not great. Also, speaking of vehicles and the opening credits, I'm pretty sure that scooter that uh, Kid is driving is a Honda, because I'm pretty sure they had one at my uh, grandparents' Honda Suzuki dealership. Yeah, the, the dancing is not pretty. I, there's one dance that's like, okay, but the rest of it's like... No, limited animation cannot pull off what you're trying, and what you're trying is wrong. So, yes, yeah, we start as... Kidmobile. Frankly, most episodes do. Uh, we start off in the Kidmobile, just traveling down a loopy, windy highway. It's weird enough that the main character's name is Kid Video, but they have to name their car Kidmobile. It's very oh, Rod it's- Pod. Uh, it's, it's like how Alice Cooper just used to be the name of the band. Yes. Okay, that sort of makes sense. But, like, it's a spaceship, but it operates like a car. It's like a hover car. But the design of it is ridiculously Chris Foss. It does have a lot of those. Like I said, there's a lot about the art. Some of it is very 80s, but the character design is very 80s, but there's a lot of stuff that draws more from the 70s and that the Chris Foss-looking vehicle. Like, Like, it's... It's literally one of his ships with a little bit stuck on the end, and they just, like, look up Chris Foss art. It's it's gorgeous, and, and it's basically what I think of when I think of spaceships, because I found books in a library as a child about weird spaceships and things. But, but like, uh, his, his odd, bulbous organicness, and the patterns on it, he loves stripes, especially yes. black and yellow, although this is yellow and red. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, like, very much... Drew the style of his stuff colored like his stuff. I'm getting guessing he didn't get any money for this design, but I feel like he should have because it, it's just one of his ships <laughs> in a cheaper animation style that it deserves. Anyway, I love Chris Foss ships; they're so good. And yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what uh, what what uh, what did the handkerchief code. Uh... <laughs> Is meant by the, uh, the the handkerchief that's wrapped around kid's leg. <laughs> oh wow! I should look that up. <laughs> yeah, that's probably something. The mm, fashion. Like I said, le- 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 lending some credence to my thruple theory. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. Yeah, ev- and everybody's that- having fun again, except for for Wiz, who They're is break dancing. Yes. On this, in a moving vehicle, which I have to assume must have some sort of, it's, inside it's like a small spaceship kind of size, so it's, there's like a room inside it, so that Subaru Brat got a pretty big upgrade. And I want a Subaru Brat now. But, uh, but yeah, they're breakdancing and... Wiz is not having it. He's not having any fun. He doesn't want to be cheered up, as he says. Yes. So, yeah, they're, they're going through these sort of uh, snowy mountains. Uh, they are ambushed by the uh, the copycats. And they have little helicopters. 
with frog faces on them. It's very weird. They have little, like, individual helicopters. They look like, I don't know, something Cobra would have except dorky. <laughs> I'm not finding anything about handkerchief placement, just colors. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, it might just be an 80s thing, like uh, like that costume that Dazzler had in, in uh, the 80s. Yeah, I mean, that was also an 80s thing. God, it's probably just that someone saw the handkerchief code and was like, hey, that looks cool. Let's start doing that. And they ruined it. Was, it. it was a real earring magic Ken situation. Yes. Well, and, and then they learned, like, oh, no, it's if you stick it in your back pocket, it means anal sex. It's like, oh, no, no. I'll wrap it around my leg. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything yet. No. Okay. Actually, I, I think anal sex is not the placement. It's the color. I think it's blue. I think I any any kind of like updated fan stuff with these would have to make or would have to make Kid act a whole lot more like Rodimus because he should really have more Rodimus energy than he really does in practice. Yeah, he's the leader of the band, named after himself. He should be more smug. <laughs> that dog antics? Yeah, there are some dog antics going on. <laughs> Distant dog antics. <laughs> Weird little gyrocopters. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so the, they, they, despite their own incompetence, they do end up crashing the kid mobile after a fashion. And, uh, you know, Wiz ends up going off on his own. Yeah, they have to get out and walk, uh, at which point Carla declares, Caramba, it's freezing here, because <laughs> they've got to let you know. Especially if they're going to keep drawing her that pale, they have to let you know through other methods that she's meant to be Latina. <laughs> but like I said, about halfway, it's not even till the second season, it's halfway through the first season they correct that. Yeah, but this is an early episode, so she's the same color palette as every other. Episode five. So yeah, he uh, he ends up in this uh, mysterious neon lit cave in which he is ends up getting sucked into a vaguely Herald and the Purple Crayon esque black and white sequence. Oh, I was gonna say Simon in the Land of Chalk drawings, but yes, it's something like it, it, same same diff. Uh, all to the strains of of Rockwell's one hit. Somebody's watching me. Oh. Man, I love this song. It's such a good song. I'm, so we get a double dose of Michael Jackson in this episode. Yes. And it's here that I'll point out that Rockwell is the son of Motown founder and president, uh, Barry Gordy, which is why his <gasps> one <Gordy>. single <laughs> does indeed have uh, Michael, Michael Jackson doing guest vocals on it. Go back to our um, episode. Why am I blanking on the it's name of the movie? Last Dragon. There are occasionally some of the episodes have some kind of like songs that were like maybe up to number thirty on the top forty, mm. but this is this is a good one. Now I want yeah, to watch this, the last I'm, dragon again. I, there are so many songs in this episode I didn't realize. Continue. Yes, I, I mean at least around here uh, where I'm, you know, just an hour away from Detroit, and we get a lot of Detroit radio. You still hear this on the classic radio stations. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Possibly not so much elsewhere in the country. Yeah, that's not. I I miss. Well, Jersey might still have. I miss classic radio stations that played classic music, not eighties um, and nineties music. I, I assume classic rock in uh, 
New Jersey is Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, repeat, added an item. Well, Maybe you get some Cindy Lauper in there. Like, well, at least when I was back there, which was decades ago at this point, like, it was a lot of 50s, 60s, 70s. Oh, okay. I like the good stuff. The stuff my parents grew up with and I got infected with and still like. But I just don't hear anymore. But yes, there was a lot of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he also ends up confronting some weird, like, hand people at one point. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're there for like five seconds and then they're gone. I Usually. assumed they were going to be back at some point, but no, just hand people. So most of the episodes have some weird bit like this where there's a musical, I don't know, musical interlude, but there's like a musical thing going on where they pull in some actual legit pop music and definitely we are suddenly in like weird cartoon physics land. Like, what whatever is happening here is not necessarily literal. It's just cool music visuals. So yeah, there are some like walking glove hand people coming to menace him and I don't know I like it it's cool it, yeah but it, it's like he just turns around and then they're gone it's it's not like he outruns them or anything weird <laughs> instead he uh, he uh, he then encounters uh, the mysterious Celesta who is a vaguely Egyptian styled woman except with a musical note on her headband instead of a a cobra I'm not even sure it's e- Egyptian. It could have been Aztec. It's, it's very jungle princess sort of looking. I mean, I assume it's supposed to be Egyptian because they have a sphinx. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, she's stuck here holding this boulder up. Yes. For some reason. Yes. She's Sisyphus. What the fuck? And so he's able to get like a little wedge in there and help her out. And so. And then it turns into his porn help. because she wants to repay him. Yes. Uh, however, the pink, she wants to repay him with the, uh, assistance from the pink sphinx, which is not an exotic sex act, but an actual wish granting pink sphinx that dwells in her hometown of Beatburg. So apparently she's been there for months, which definitely raises yes. a lot of, like, biological questions about these people. Yes. She was yes, put she there by the, by the, the blast, by a master blaster who is trying to enslave the town of uh, of Beatburg, which is where all of the Flipside's musical instruments are made. Yes. I assume probably not by him personally, because he doesn't actually do anything on his own. <laughs> no. Well, no, again, like the Yatterman villains, Duranjo, they have a mysterious guy on a screen, much like, um, oh, Giovanni in Pokemon. Yes. My goodness, what? Why are there so many disasters going on tonight, girls? Come on. <laughs> the, the real, the real evil dude remains evil by never getting involved with the shenanigans of the stupid goons. Yes. And thus, every plan fails. So, so of course, he is going to wish himself home once he gets this wish. Yes. He'll wish everybody home, but if the others are too busy off having fun, then he'll happily just wish himself home. Yeah. So so they're all taken to uh to the vaguely Egyptian, vaguely Shangri La esque uh Beatberg. After which is, crossing a, a rope bridge that's rainbow colored. I assume it just looked like a xylophone. I guess, but it's it's 
rainbow. It, it, it looked like a toy xylophone. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the target audience is going to think a xylophone looks like. What? Oh, Honestly, that's point. still what I think a xylophone looks like. <laughs> so, yes, they're crossing the bridge. They get attacked again by the copycats in their little helicopter thingies. Uh, and at and this there's point, another music break of some yes. kind, I think. Which I was wondering how hard anybody was going to try to figure out what this song was. Uh, because it turns this, out this is a kid video original. Yes. Oh. Uh, and this one gets played in a lot of this sort of circumstances where, you know, there's conflict going on. Uh, it's called You Better Run. It is the first song on side B of the album. Uh, and, yeah, You Better Run. It's pretty good, though. Look it it's- up. It is. It, it, it's a song that I could have sworn I'd heard elsewhere. That's but the thing is it just that from this. it's like legit music because, I mean, again, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy are, I mean, Shuki Levy is responsible for most of the absolute bangers <laughs> from TV show openings of yeah. our childhood. I, w- I wouldn't call this one of his better songs, but it's still pretty good. So, also, some of the songs on the album were written by, like, there's one that was by Bernie Taupin and Holly Knight, and Bernie Taupin did, like, a bunch of Elton John stuff, and Holly Knight was one of the writers on Love is a Battlefield. Uh, That's not one that we're going to encounter here, but it, like, some of the songs, and this is one of them that is actually by... Uh, Saban and Levy, but there are a bunch that are by, like, other writers, and it really does, you know, make me wonder how deep they got into, you know, the the record industry before they decided to go into cartoons instead. Because obviously they had some connections. Yeah, it's a good album, is, uh... and I'm glad I paid $100 for it off eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Toppin did a ton of Elton John songs. Yes. So, like, legit music writers. So, yes, this is one that pops up a lot in, you know, it's their having to run away from stuff song. So, yeah, they they, they get to this city. There's, you know, a, a celebration in their honor. Roller disco is done here. And we get a reprise of Don't Stop Till You you Get Enough. Yes, because Wiz wants to see what's going on with the Pink Sphinx, but everybody else wants to, quote, have fun. Which involves, like I said, dancing like the animators have never actually seen a person dance in their lives. Yes, and uh, (laughs) the, the, the copycats once again try to infiltrate this dance via terrible human disguises. Yeah, with creepy masks and stuff. So well, like, I had a mask that looks like a. <laughs> yeah, well, well, one guy has a mask that looks like a piece of bread, which just makes him look like a powdered <laughs> toast man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, their their bungling does not actually accomplish anything, and they do not uh, because, of course, they want the power of the pink sphinx. So that presumably Master Blaster can do something evil. Yes. They managed to be more useless than Team Rocket somehow. It's yeah, they're extremely they useless. Are. Occasionally they bumble into doing something useful like 
wrecking the kid mobile in the beginning of the episode, but for the most yes. part, they're pretty much comic relief. Mm-hmm. Well, well wrecking they... the kid mobile was more that the kid mobile ran into them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they did become an. They made themselves an impediment. Yes. Well, and they do finally get something right here that, because they do capture three quarters of kid video in a net. And they, they haul them off to just some icy ledge where they drop them off to die. <laughs> Pretty much. Three and a half quarters because they also get the fairy. Oh, yes, that's right. They do also get glitter. But sadly... But they don't actually, like, tie glitter up in any way that she can't get out. <laughs> oh. Which, uh, she can fly, guys. You're, you're very stupid cats. There's nothing she's allergic to up here on the snowy cliffside, so she can't get a good <laughs> sneeze going. Hmm. Like, is that a sneeze fetish that the, bear, the, the writers barely dis- <laughs> disguised fetish? I feel this comes up... A, this was also a thing in that, uh, about a decade out from this, that uh, Attack the Killer Tomatoes cartoon. Really? Oh, jeez. Huh. It, wait a minute. Is that how Launch transforms in Dragon Ball? I don't know. She sneeze? I can't remember. I haven't seen original Dragon Ball in forever, so I don't remember. I just remember she's got a split personality where uh, what one is domestic and dainty, and the other is a gun-toting mall. Yes, mm. <laughs> she just shoots people. I forget why the transformation. Anyway, uh, yes, the, the kid and crew get kidnapped, except for Wiz, who's yeah, so- going to touch the pink sphinx. Yes. So he uh, he heads off with Celeste to the chamber of the Pink Sphinx, who goes from stone to flesh in a much less cool way than the gargoyles. I and don't know, it's pretty does, cool. <laughs> then I guess there's there's a riddle, which is some sort of weird interpretive dance. <laughs> so it's also when, the, set, when the sun aligns a certain weird, way and shines through its temple in a certain way, it is brought to life, and then it gives a riddle that... I, I will let Rob explain how, how the riddle there, is presented. There's a lot of pointing, and there's a lot of shaking this cat butt in everybody's <laughs> face. And, of course, this is all done to the strains of Yes's owner of a lonely heart. <laughs> yes. Just that, suddenly. Done by the the owner of a perfectly working synthesizer. It, it's hard to sit here. what the fuck he's singing. Other than the fact that you know it's owner of a lonely heart. <laughs> and uh, uh, the yes thing makes sense because I kind of feel like the aesthetic of the show is a very low-budget version of, like, Roger Dean album covers. Yeah. 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 I definitely that. feel that. Like, it's trying to be the young and hip kind of 80s, but it's really more the prog rock cover kind of 80s. Yes. It's yes. trying so Wiz, to be Michael Jackson, but it's actually Rush. Wiz does manage to answer the question from the owner of a perfectly functional cheese slicer. <laughs> about who the evil in the sky is. Which, as he points out, that's too easy. Because, yeah. as I said, Master Blaster does have a terrifying jukebox-themed air fortress and it is him. Yeah, I was, I was expecting the evil in the sky. A more well-constructed riddle of any kind. No, I mean what you the get, classic riddle of the Sphinx. What you hmm. get is some lyrics that they decided they could make into a riddle. 
From owner of a lonely heart. There's a bit in the first episode, uh, which is to beat the band, uh, where they actually use some lyrics from Electric Avenue to like get directions to where they need to be. So, so they need to rock down to Electric Avenue, and then they need to take it higher. Yes, because the thing that they're after is up on top of a building on of Electric course. Avenue. <laughs> That's the kind of shit, stupid shit I do like using I songs it. for dialogue. It's painful, so but cheesy, but it's so good. Hmm. So yes, here it doesn't quite work so well. The, the Sphinx is way too cartoony and weird, and and is into technicalities. Mostly, yeah, so. I just really adore just suddenly owner of a lonely heart. Oh. So, you know, these cats are knocking on the door. They're like, hey, hey, we dropped your friends on, like, an icy ledge. They're going to die unless you allow us to access the pig sphinx. Oh, it's purse time. Hello, Amity. Hello again. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, Wiz, Wiz doesn't want to believe that the, these pussy cats about the, the pink sphinx thing. It, it's... But then... Uh, but then the fairy shows up. It's like, yeah, your friends have been captured. And Wiz is like, oh, fuck. Yeah, because she could get away because they didn't bother tying her up. She's just some little fairy. What's she going to do? Punch them? I mean, after she sneezes. Yeah, she could punch them. Yeah. And so so he wishes that, you know, his friends were, you know, he, it seems like it's going to be a thing where he wishes that, you know, they were they were there and thus burning his wish. No, but, but instead he, he, he does he, word it very well. He wishes they were safe at, him and his friends were safe at home. Yes. Like... He, he he would be really great at genie wishes. <laughs> yes, well, apparently, except for this, this genie totally cheats. Cause yeah, yeah, this Sphinx fucking cheats. Yeah, so they get teleported uh, to this Sphinx chamber, and he's like, hey, I said safe at home. He's like, well, that was two wishes. Safe <laughs> and at home. No, 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 no. No, no, I said at home, you fucker. It's also, a preposition. the Sphinx has this great game show host voice. I, I guess he yeah. could have just said he wishes his friends were home. Oh. Yeah, because presumably oh, yeah. home is not a frozen ledge, and therefore... But then they might have been home crushed by rocks anyway. Well, of course, I assume that this is going to be, oh, well, the, you know, this place, you know, you, your friends are here, so this is home. Is home. Yeah. And not this no. weird uh, technicality here. Or they got warped back you to get the, the one wish. But... <sighs> Such a dick. The Sphinx is an asshole. This guy's a real wish master. Yes. <laughs> isn't it? It's. I think it's. Isn't it the ranger in the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon who is just like way more obsessed with getting home than everyone else? Cavalier. Okay. Yeah. Cavalier is the the cowardly asshole with a shield. Yeah. So Wiz is kind of like him, except useful by actually being smart. Hmm. I remember there was like a whole network mandate with him uh, that I, I read, like Evanier, uh, Mark Evanier was one of the writers on that. I think the head writer. And the network mandate was, you know, that guy's always disagreeing with the others and he's always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and there's wow. a bit of that in this with uh, Wiz. I can kind of see a little bit of that. Yeah. And and it, I, I think it, he'd also, also worked on the Get Along Gang, which was similar to that. And he, he sort of satirized the whole thing with uh, the, the Buddy Bears on Garfield. I <laughs> don't know how much of that... That does make me wonder about this, this other detail I'm going to bring up, which is in the second season, they basically, like, get that out of his personality. 
And I was uh, kind of thinking maybe that's just because they felt like they wanted to keep things more open-ended. Like, hmm. it kind of feels like you know that he's not going to get to go home because the series isn't over. Uh, so, but maybe it was because, like, the people running the at the network were like, okay, that's annoying. Make him stop being like that. Make him have more fun. Mm. But yeah, I assumed it was because, you know, by season two, that's going to get kind of grating. He needs to give up. He needs to give up all hope and just join the others in their fun. Yes. And so, you know, the, the Pink Sphinx returns to stone again for a year, and it turns out that every year they wish to keep Beatberg warm and green like that's the wish every year. Yes, every year they wish to keep it as this warm oasis in this very cold mountainous area, and because they gave Wiz the wish, they're just going to have to deal with the cold for a year. Which which makes you wonder, but can Celeste they not, like, wish... Like, okay. Yeah, like, like, can to we be wish somewhere that, like, better? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, can we wish that, like, this place stays warm and green for ten years? <laughs> or a hundred years? Because then you would think that if the wish only, like, if the wish just reset after a year, then he could wish for them to go home, and then they're just going to show up back in the flip side in a year. Yeah. Exactly. That would be unfortunate. There, there, Maybe in a serious... year, suddenly everyone's going to find themselves back on that cliff again. <laughs> You're no longer safe. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh no, there's no place like home. That would be unfortunate. But yeah, Celeste is very nice about it. She's like, "Oh, we'll deal with. We'll we'll wear warm clothes for a year. It's fine." Yes. And then you know, Wiz just decides that you know, you know, I guess being with my friends is more important than going home for for now at least. And then they hit him in the head with a snowball. He's like. <laughs> Mm, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. My friends are kind of assholes. <laughs> yes. They've got to stop putting more socks on the doorknob. <laughs> My friends found the other kind of snow in town. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I assume that in addition to musicians, uh, Master Blaster must have also kidnapped Hollywood's finest Coke dealers. <laughs> Was the eighties? I mean, otherwise, you're not getting anything out of those eighties musicians. No, good luck. Good luck getting anything out of any of them if you're not lots of coke. Oh man, I was just googling something ahead of time, and we'll get to that. But it was sad. Somebody mm. dying of COVID nineteen. Oh dear. We'll get there was in a moment. Was... And yeah, that yeah, that pretty much does it for uh, for the Pink Sphinx. Oh, well, except, of course, then oh, it's music video yeah. time. It's time Ooh. for a music video. The, the weirdly shocking part is, like, I thought the episode was over, and then it cuts back to live action. Yes, you get a live action video uh, done all MTV style. Uh, this song is Turn Me Up. It's one of the songs. Uh, Carla does not do vocals on every song. Uh, normally, she is the drummer, but there are a couple, uh, much like how Sonic Youth traded off between the, the male and female singers. They do trade off uh, between various, usually kid, but sometimes Carla gets to have a song. Uh, so this is a Carla song. Uh, it's Turn Me Up. Are there, are there any are there any Robbie Wrist songs? Uh, 
He does a lot of vocals on a lot of them. I don't know if he oh. does main vocals on any of them. Hmm. It's funny because hmm. there are some videos out there of of them like doing live performances. And he is definitely carrying, once again, he is carrying a lot of weight. You can tell <laughs> that he's like doing a lot of the work there, but he is one of, he's pretty much always one of the main backing vocals. Uh, but I'm not sure if he's main vocals on any of them because that's a little harder to tell. Mm. Uh, but this one is written by uh, Lusa Popiel. Uh, she is an American voice coach, singer, and musician. Uh, apparently she is, uh, I'm looking at her Wikipedia page, uh, and apparently she performed with Frank Zappa at one point, and, uh, yeah, she's, again, someone who is, like, really heavy-duty music industry person. Uh, the other writer on this one was Willie Wilkerson, uh, who apparently died of COVID-19 at age 72. Uh, he also, was Aretha Franklin's former lover. Wow. Also, Ooh. would you believe that? Would you believe me if I told you that I've seen Lisa Papil perform live? Oh wow! Oh. Well, uh, she was she's a, one of the writers on this song. She is a backup singer for Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, yes. Neat. So yeah, again, and, uh, Saban and Levy had some uh, pretty good music industry connections to make this. And the song's okay, but it, it, the 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 set they're filming on was creeping me the fuck out because it's like mannequins and dolls in this disused warehouse. It, it's like the beginning of a nightmare. I mean, it's it's totally a what's his name's apartment from uh, uh, from Blade Runner. Oh man. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the inventor, um, William Sanderson, J.F. Sebastian. He's got like that. He's the guy who built the, uh, or who designed the, uh, uh, the replicants and they go to like his apartment and he's got like all these yes! weird creep. Oh. Yes. Yes. Oh, right. yes. Him. Okay. Blade Runner. Yeah. He is kind of like that. Yes. So everybody the- in this video is about to get killed by Rutger Hauer. <laughs> Also notable is the kid, and it's sort of weird juxtaposition that everything else is like these old-fashioned mannequins and figurines and stuff, oh. because kid has the super cool light-up guitar that oh, they God, apparently... I love that guitar. They had to drill a bunch of holes in a guitar and run, like, fiber optics, because these days it would be done with LEDs, and it would be super easy. Yeah, yeah. But in 1984... It, was really cool. it wasn't a working guitar then. <laughs> in 1984, it was done using fiber optics. Yeah, but it, it, it would look like a really modern guitar now. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it's a pretty cool guitar. So, yeah. That is one of the formative cartoons of my childhood. This show is shockingly weird. It's so weird. I knew I'd seen it, but I didn't realize how much I'd probably seen until, like, the theme song started playing and, like, I could feel it in my bones. <laughs> like, how much of the show did I watch? I don't, I don't, I did not remember the cats existing at all. I I put a link to one of the other episodes into uh, one of our big group chats, and uh, I think it was Monzo of TF Wiki fame. 
uh, watched it, and he was like, I was not expecting the safety dance. <laughs> it's just suddenly the safety a little, dance. A uh, little Canadian content there. Yes. Also, that's the one with the extremely weird musical bit with the, the school of the, like, scholarly-themed fish uh, doing one of the lesser-known, extremely creepy police songs wrapped around your finger. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I like this. I like the show. It's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if I would ever argue that it's necessarily good, uh, but it's definitely super oh. weird and super interesting. The music is super good, though. Uh, yes, I, I kind of dig that uh, poppy, uh, the the kid video sound. Yes, I am working. Yeah. Watching an episode recommended. Watching more than one episode, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. Uh, there are some pretty good copies of it up uh, because it was officially released on VHS. Somehow. Uh, I am working on getting a better copy, a better digital copy of the album up, uh, because there are two up, and one of them was done uh, by the person who runs the the only significant kid video online resource, uh, which is at kvflipside.org. Oh, is uh, it a web ring? It feels uh, like it should be part of a web ring. There may I, be a there web be ring. Enough other websites to make a, uh, a kid video web ring? Probably not well, no, anymore. Web rings would link to random shit. It, it always seemed like chaos to me. Like, like a show, a web ring for Tenchi Muyo would link to Rama One Half. It was like uh, chaos. Should, there should definitely be a web ring of like sites devoted to weird old 80s cartoons. Like, there should be, it should yeah. just link you to like a Turbo Teen site next, and then <laughs> the next one would be that one with the like urban frogs that. Someone linked what? the beginning credits to that gave me exactly the same feeling that you said you had, David, watching the opening credits, like you had completely forgotten it, oh. but deep in your soul you absolutely remembered. Yeah, and now you I should can't... also link to Pole Position and Qbert and um, <laughs> other shit I've tried to forget. Now I'm like looking up urban frog cartoon. But it was like later in the 80s, Street Frogs. That was it. Street Frogs. Like the opening credits for it just like hit me that same way when somebody brought it up a couple weeks ago. I don't know why someone brought it up. Oh, uh, maybe if I watch the clip, I would, but looking at the character designs, it rings no bell, which is probably a good thing. No, it was just something about the, like, movement and music and stuff. So, so yes, uh, the version of the, the digital version of the album that's up on that website is probably ripped at least 12 years ago, and there's some skipping in there. Uh, someone else bought one off eBay early this year and put it up on YouTube, but the sound levels are definitely not where I would want them to be. Uh, so my copy of the album is currently down on my porch under three of my heaviest books, uh, sitting out in the summer heat to get that one little warp out. Uh, and then I I will learn how to use Audacity to improve vinyl ripping. It's an important lesson. But yeah, it's good music. 
it's actually legitimately fun music. If you like the 80s. I like the 80s. <laughs> oh. Alright, well I think that about does it for us for this week. We'll be back next week with the beginning of Season 3 of Transformers Rescue Bots. As things get prehistoric on Griffin Rock. Ooh. What? Dinos. Time for dinos. Are we going to, like, some sort of Cretaceous camp? <laughs> oh, I should uh, some, watch that. Some sort of Triassic territory. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but until then, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, oh, I've got a cat on me. Remind me what we did. <laughs> are we still in Multiverse of Madness month, or did we move on? Uh, yes, yes. Which, which has been delayed because, well, busy forgot about it. Hey, Amity. You have internet. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Power for a bit. Amity is being super adorable right now, guys. I'm sorry. It, it will be done. Well, it'll be probably be done a week before this comes out. But uh, yeah. Multiverse yes. of Madness. We're talking about Multiverse of Madness, uh, which I like to call the official movie of Gay Wrath Month. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, have all of our excitement over Rintra being on the screen. Uh, so, for so cute. As little as I want a toy, but I don't want to build a figure. <laughs> there is a uh, there's a Funko Pop. Oh yeah, but it's a Funko. Or pop. Or does that not count? <laughs> no, it's no, a big no. one though. I saw it at Target. And I was like, hey, it's oh, it's I mean, Rintra. If I saw it on a shelf, I'd probably get it, but I'm I'm not gonna go out looking for it. <laughs> oh, it is kind of cute. Damn it. <laughs> Funko Pop's animal figures are actually pretty good with the beady eyes. For as little Shit. as a dollar a month, you can listen in on all our fun discussions of whatever the big new Marvel movie is, random other side things, uh, random things related to things we don't actually want to have to go see, like Morbius. Uh, I actually yeah. saw Morbius the movie uh, over this past weekend. Uh, it was not great. <laughs> it was not great. Mm. So you're saying it is not... Was the dancing okay? (laughs) Yeah, the dancing was pretty great. Also, the next night I watched uh, Last Night in Soho, so I had a full double feature of Sinister Matt Smith. Ooh. Oh, you were going to say, Rob? Oh, just that it it is not, in fact, Morbin time. (laughs) No. No. It was Morbin time. I, I was... Thinking about suggesting that we should watch the actual movie for Halloween, but I don't think I would want to <laughs> recommend that anybody no. watch it. I think we had other plans, but I don't remember what it was. Now. Oh, there's a Rintra keychain! <laughs> now, you gotta get that. You gotta get that. I, I need that. I think it's sold out, though. Crap. <laughs> Alright, so until next time, then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen, and this is Amity providing the purse. And I'm David, the owner of a pencil. Because <laughs> I, I take my notes for the episodes, don't I? Ooh, I have an Apple pencil because I'm an asshole. Yeah.